this morning. Uh, take your Bibles and turn uh, to the book of James, chapter 5. James chapter 5, and we are looking at lesson number 7. Uh, if you do not have lesson 7, uh, put your hand up. I want to make sure someone gets one to you. If you need one of the Sunday school lessons, get your hand up. Let's make sure everybody has one of those. Lesson number 7, Our we started last Sunday uh, praying for healing. Uh, praying for healing. Uh, is our lesson we're going to continue today. Hey, no fighting, guys. How many want to see Brother Dexter and Brother Ahmad fight over the mop? I do too, man. I'd pay money for that, man. Man, we, we need about, who'd be willing to pay like $100,000 for that? <laughs> Trying to get a fight going here so we, can build, so we can do the front entrance out there, Brother Ahmad. You guys would be willing to fight, right? I'm sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Brother Jeff would even throw down, I think. And uh, Amen. Take your Bibles. Look there. James chapter 5. Oh, that's your Bible. I didn't think anybody had ever read it before. There you go. James chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 13 through 16. I knew it had to be one of the men that came to men's breakfast yesterday, so... Uh, it was sitting in here for that reason. Is any afflicted? Uh, verse uh, 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall rise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And let's pray together, Lord, as we pause on this Lord's Day morning, Lord, to again learn and discuss this matter of prayer. Lord, I thank you for the wonderful privilege we have of prayer. I thank you for the powerful tool that you've given to us as your children. Lord, I pray this morning that as we discuss biblical principles about prayer for healing, Lord, that we would put aside our preconceived notions. Lord, I pray that we would put aside our feelings and what we want, and Lord, we would let your word be true. And Lord, we would trust you, we would believe you, Lord, would you revolutionize our prayer lives as we use the Word of God as our guide in this matter of prayer. Lord, would you help me this morning? Lord, help me to preach and write your truth. Lord, I pray you'd minister to the needs of those gathered here this morning. Lord, would your will be done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. We're going to pick up a little bit later in the lesson, but I want to... If you missed last week, I want to catch up very quickly. Uh, the leper said in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 2, uh, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And can I tell you this morning that the power and ability of the Lord has not changed. Amen. Uh, he still has that ability. Uh, we uh, struggle with that because at one point in our lives, we had more ability in some areas than we have now. How many of you know that's the truth? And uh, we, uh, we don't get better, we don't stay the same, we are 
constantly going towards uh, failure. This body is breaking, uh, this body of flesh. But our Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's able to heal. The centurion said, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. He told him because he knew the Lord could heal him. Uh, a certain ruler worshipped Jesus and said, my daughter is even now dead. But, that's a big word there in that verse, but come and lay thy hand upon her and she shall live. As we see in the, in the Bible, we see those that came to Jesus praying or asking, and prayer is asking for healing. Uh, the two blind men said, David, thou, uh, thou son of David, have mercy on us. The woman of Canaan cried, have mercy on me. Uh, we see right after the Mount Transfiguration experience with Jesus and the three disciples as they came down, uh, we see a man who said, Lord, have mercy on my son. Uh, many times in Scripture we see Jesus healing. So I want to give you some points about this matter of praying for healing as we catch up a bit from last week. Number one, I gave you this last week if you missed it, sickness is a proper subject of prayer. Sickness is a proper subject of prayer. We ought to pray about it. I got a message this morning from uh, Kathleen Paul. And a few days ago, uh, early in the morning, I got a text message from her about, I think it was about 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. And she said that Josiah, of course, Josiah has uh, cancer, stage 4 cancer. Uh, according to the doctors, not much longer to live. And he had a obstruction in his bowel. They went to the hospital, and she said, Pastor, would you please pray? And I prayed, many folks have prayed. I got a message this morning. Pastor, thanks for praying. Uh, it's going to be able to have some liquid today through the feeding tube, different things. There's some, there's some things that are going forward there. Uh, it, it's a right thing to pray for health needs. Uh, we can pray for healing. James 5 says, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. We, we need to get out of the mindset that, oh, you know, I, I shouldn't pray for this, or, or maybe this is not an area of prayer. We're going to look at an area uh, in a couple of weeks and talk about the fact that we can pray about everything, anything and everything. But without a doubt, sickness is a proper subject of prayer. And we spent some time talking about that, but I... I want to give you a statement I gave you last week. If you weren't here, I want you to get this. If there were not one specific promise, not one in the Bible pertaining to health or pertaining to healing uh, of the sick in answer to prayer, if there wasn't anything, and there is, uh, we've already seen several, but if there wasn't any, any believing Christian, any believing child of God would have a right to call on his heavenly Father for healing in light of the general promises regarding prayer. Because he's my father, and I can call on him. We see that uh, plainly. Uh, I said last week, we, uh, this matter of prayer is a uh, subject of, of proper subject of prayer is sickness. Number two in your notes, I gave you last week, prayer for the sick. Prayer for the sick is proper uh, during this age or today. Prayer for the sick is proper during this age. We spent some time last week talking about those who would try to keep back a portion of 
scripture or a portion of God's word from us today, uh, they would say, well, this portion is for this person, and this is for that person, and this is for that person. Uh, this is not for today. This was for the Jews. Uh, can I tell you, we have very plainly in Scripture uh, answers that we can pray. Uh, we gave you some quotes last week, some things that uh, the Bible gives us very plainly there. And I want you to look over uh, some of that if you missed it last week, but understand that it is proper, it's right today to pray for healing. God's able to do that. God can do that. And number three, uh, this is where I believe we got to last week. We just kind of skimmed the surface a little bit. Number three, the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. In God's condition of healing, he says there, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Dr. Tory, R.A. Tory. In his book entitled Divine Healing, calls attention to the fact that it is not, uh, this matter of healing is not a, a special kind of service or public service or, or saying over and over a certain formula. Rather, uh, the prayer of faith heals the sick. Uh, his words in that book said, not intense carnal excitement that temporarily galvanizes him in the brief activities from which there is an appalling reaction often leaving the poor victim of the religious charlatan worse than ever and not infrequently sending him to the insane asylum the cemetery. In other words, uh, he was pointing out that in that day there were many frauds, many fakes, many that were uh, misunderstood this matter of healing. And for instance... In the Bible, when the Bible speaks of, uh, in James, it tells us there, uh, I'll read for you quickly, uh, in verse 14, it says, Is any among you uh, uh, sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let him pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. Now, the oil, the anointing of oil there, there there's nothing magical or spooky about that oil. Uh, the oil is nothing more than a picture of the Spirit of God. Uh, it is not some uh, holy thing that, oh, wow, uh, this special item of oil. Uh, the fact is, it is a picture, and that's all it is. Uh, the oil here is a symbol of the Holy Ghost, and it's applied as such. Uh, it, it's not medicinal. Uh, it's not, man, if I just pour, pour some oil over me, you know, that, it'll get all over me and it'll heal me. That's what I need. Uh, no, it's, that's not the case. The key here is the prayer of faith. It's faith. It's trusting. It's believing. Leviticus chapter 8, verses 10 through 12, shows that the tabernacle, the altar, the vessels, the laver, and the base were all anointed. They were anointed to sanctify them or to set them apart for service. That's what the word sanctify means. Uh, if we're to serve God, we must serve in the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. And we see that very plainly in every aspect of our lives as we live out God's plan. And as a Christian, if I'm seeking healing from God, if I'm asking, and that's prayer, if I'm asking for healing, 
Uh, I need to realize that the Holy Spirit has the right to take charge. I need to say, hey, this is not my body. This is his. I, I belong to him. Uh, do uh, with me as you see fit, as your perfect will. Dr. Torrey said the Holy Spirit is the one who does the healing, if it's really divine healing. Amen. And that's the reality of it. Uh, Romans 8, chap uh, chapter 8, verse 11 says, But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. By the way, it was the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The Bible says so. It says, If he dwells in us, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make alive uh, or make well your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Now, that refers to the text itself and in context, in verse 20 through 23, to prove that the future resurrection of our body, and by the way, this body, if the Lord tears is coming, is going to die. Uh, it's going to fall apart the rest of the way. I'm doing a pretty good job of getting in there already, but it's got farther to go. Not much farther. It's just almost there. But one day, this body is going to crumble. But it is the Holy Spirit who will raise it up. Uh, we see that quickening, that life-giving, that power. In verse 13 there of James says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. We see here in that verse the understanding that I, I don't have to have the anointing of oil to pray uh, for healing. I, I can. The Bible gives a principle for that. But we don't see that in this verse. Understand it as a prayer of faith. The Bible goes on to teach that in verse 16. It says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. There can be prayer for ourselves. There can be mutual prayer uh, as we pray together. There can be prayer of the elders praying uh, for those. Uh, and verse 14 and verse 15 suggests, As any sick among you, let him call the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. We see a pattern in Scripture at certain times, not all throughout the New Testament or the Gospels, but there were certain times when even uh, the disciples, we see, sometimes anointed the sick with oil. In Mark chapter 6, and they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. However, there are other cases in the New Testament where that's not the case. It's not some magic thing, and we get this wrong idea because of false religion uh, that tries to elevate things and tangible above God who is not tangible to you and I today. And because we want to grab a hold of something, oh, this is super spiritual. This is where the power is at. Uh, the, there is no power in the oil. Uh, we see God using that, but that is not the power uh, sometimes it's a help to our faith. Uh, sometimes it reminds us in a, uh, a very real way of the Spirit of God uh, by obeying Scripture. Uh, but we can pray anytime. Romans 12, 6, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us with a prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Faith. 1 Corinthians 12, 8, and 9 says, For to one is given by the Spirit, the word of wisdom, another word of knowledge, the same Spirit, another faith by the same Spirit. Christian, the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us faith. The Bible says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing 
by the word of God. But can I tell you that it is the Holy Spirit that gives us that faith through the word of God. It, it is that word of God by his spirit that builds that faith and grows that faith inside of us. If you take a can of pop and you put it in a freezer and you get it almost frozen. But the Bonnie, you open that thing up, and what happens? It fizzes everywhere, right? And you, you try to drink it, and, and it goes up your nose and all over you because the, it just keeps coming out of there. The pressure is just inside of it, and once you open it, it keeps coming out. Same thing if you shake it up and, uh, and open it up, the pressure comes out. It is that faith that builds in us, that pressure of faith, comes from the Holy Spirit of God. And the Bible teaches here in James that the prayer of faith, faith, the prayer of faith heals the sick. The prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. So understand the ingredient needed is, is not a physical ingredient of oil or a physical ingredient of this. Or it, the, the main ingredient is faith. It's faith. Number four, here's a question we're going to answer this morning. Is healing in the atonement? Is healing in the atonement? In Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, the scripture uh, answers the question. It says, When the evening came, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word. And healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, this is speaking of Jesus, this is Old Testament prophecy uh, that Jeremiah was given to pen about Christ. Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now, over here in the Garden of Eden, there was no sickness. There was no arthritis, Miss Lois. That'd be a, a good thing. Uh, there was no no uh, no pain, uh, no mental anguish, brother Ahmad. Uh, none of that there. Uh, it was a wonderful place. And sin came. And with sin, every disease, every problem, every hurt in this world came from sin. It's not well. God did this. No sin. Man's choice of sin. Well, when Jesus died on the cross, all the results of sin, he has power over all of that. He has power over sin. So even the disease, that's why Jesus could heal, because he had power over that sin, uh, all the results of sin. By the way, the ultimate result of sin is eternal damnation. It's hell. But there are other symptoms along the way. And Jesus has power over all of those. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 4 says, Surely he hath borne our griefs. Another prophetic passage of Jesus. And carried our sorrows. Matthew chapter 8 we see that picture. We see again Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. It says, with his stripes, we're healed. And by the way, the, the main teaching and the main focus of that prophetic scripture 
is healing from sin, uh, the damnation of hell, and praise God for that. But Christian, don't discount. Don't discredit the power of the Lord. Don't try to take away from him power that is still his. Power and ability that belong to the Lord. Now, I don't command the Lord. You don't command the Lord. But he has the power and ability to heal today, uh, just as he had the power and ability to save your soul. We see that very plainly. It's foolish to fight the plain teaching of Scripture. Dr. Torrey in his book, Divine Healing, said as well, I think that it is a fair inference from these verses when looked at in this context that God is able and God still has power to heal. Surely every good thing we have, every good thing we have comes from God. Everything. It's not a result of your merits. It's not a result of something you've done. It is simply a result of God. But as a result of the merits of Jesus Christ, of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, uh, and when we come and we pray for healing, it's not based on anything we have done or we could earn. Rather, it's based solely on Christ. Uh, every good gift, every good gift comes from Him. And how wonderful that is. Uh, it's been purchased. It's been paid for. I think we could safely say this morning, very, very safely, on the foundation of Scripture, that all people, all, who were ever healed were only partly recovered. Even, even Lazarus, he was dead. The Lord raised him from the dead. How many of you know Lazarus is not still walking around? Some of you know the story. Others of you don't. I have to tell it. During vacation Bible school this year, we had a, a man who was on drugs who laid on the front stairs of the church building during VBS. And about 30 minutes before VBS was over, someone came in. One of the parents coming come early to get the kids said, uh, Pastor, there's a, there might be somebody dead on your stairs. That's not words you want to hear. I went out, and I'm like, oh, man, this is not good. I called 911, and they had me check for a pulse. I, they had me lay him. He was kind of cockeyed. I kind of laid him down. They had me uh, check his pulse, had me check his breathing. And his pulse was just, I mean, just, it was a hammer. And, but he was breathing about one little breath every minute, just almost not breathing. And he was dying. And as I was on the phone, I heard words that I did not want to hear. Uh, Mr. Rice, you're, you're going to need to start CPR. I took CPR when I was a kid. I was about 14, 15 years old. Back then, they had the, the dummy. It was called Annie. Anybody remember the dummy name Annie? Uh, nowadays, they don't even have a name for it. I, they probably got to be more gender, gender fluid in their name. What is it? Actar. Man, not me. I was making out with Annie years ago. And I, I, I mean, I know how to do CPR. And I, but I'm looking there going... I, 
people that don't want to do CPR. And who knows what diseases and drugs and all is involved there. It was a bad situation. But I said, man, i got to try to save this guy's life. And I put my hand under his head. I just was starting to tilt his head back. And I was on speakerphone with uh, 911. And just as I was starting to tilt the head back, praise the Lord Jehovah God, the fire truck pulled up. <laughs> I said, I'm good. We're good. Thank you very much. I hung up. And I said, man, I'll let the professionals deal with this. And they got him, and they laid him on the sidewalk. And he was dead. I'm pretty sure he think he was dead. And they're working with him and nothing. And while this is going on, my kids and some other people were in the window of my office, and they're looking out watching the spectacle. And they see a dead man laying on the sidewalk. And they're working on him and working on him and working on him, and he's dead. And then all of a sudden, it was, and he set straight up. And he got up. Uh, the kids called him Lazarus. Uh, he was dead and he came back to life. Praise God. But even Lazarus eventually laid in the tomb and didn't get back up. The people that Jesus healed <coughs> in the New Testament, just temporary. Just temporary. For years, people have been looking for the uh, years past, looking for the fountain of youth, a way to live forever. Can I tell you, physically, there is no living forever without Jesus Christ. Right. Amen. Amen. Even those healed one day, it's just a temporary healing. This body is going to eventually go to dust. The Lord tarries is coming. But we see that picture. Uh, Lazarus died, was risen again, they died again. When we think of healing, we, we understand the picture of Christ, the atonement, what he did. He paid for sin. He paid for the debt of sin, but also the result of sin. And he has power over it. He has power over that sin. Uh, you and I are going to decay. We're going to, our bodies will break. We will take that last breath one day. Why? Because of the result of sin. He's not going to block that result forever for your body. But God can. God can heal. He has the power to do so. In Romans chapter 8, verse 18 through 23, it says, For I reckon, that's a good hillbilly word, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worth compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. That whole passage is saying that while we're here in this world, the whole world, our body, everything around us, groaning for the redemption, for the day, the return of Christ, the day that we're taken out of this world. Why? Because we live 
with the curse of sin. We live because of the result of sin here in this world. Salvation, by the way, is mainly, when we think of salvation, it's not just in the future. Now, it's a future home in heaven. One day I'm going to be with him. But salvation is not just one day. Salvation is not, oh, that's something I'm going to have sometime way out there. I have salvation today. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not eventually have salvation. Not hang on and hang on and hang on and wait and say, man, I hope I make it, hope I make it, hope I make it, hope I have it someday. No, I have it now. I'm a possessor of it. And part of that possessing of salvation is knowing that the one who paid the debt to give me that salvation is all-powerful. And he has power over everything. I have freedom in Calvary. Now, 1 John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth's not in us. But I praise God. I serve one who has all power over all sin, over all the power in this world. And with that said, the payment of Christ on Calvary is enough. It was enough to cover all sin and the result of sin. So Christ has the right. By the way, when he stood on the edge of that boat and he said, Peace be still. The disciples said, What kind of man is this? Who even speaks to the wind and waves and they obey him. The same one who would pay the price for all sin and the results of sin obey. Because he's all powerful. Number, number five. Number five in your notes here. It is not always God's will to heal. Christian, don't miss that statement. It is not always God's will to heal. I remember as a young married man, my wife and I going to our pastor, and we were wanting to have a child, praying we could have a child. It seemed as though that wasn't going to be possible. Had we known it was going to be Rebecca, maybe we wouldn't have cared, but we, we, we were wanting to have a child. I'm sorry, Josh. And uh, we, we went to our pastor. And I asked our pastor to pray for us and anoint us with oil. And ask him if he would pray that if it was God's will that God would give us a child. I'll never forget as he prayed for us that day. I'll never forget him saying in his prayer, said, God, you're not on trial with us. God, if you choose not to do this, you're still good and you're still God. And I've never forgotten that truth as I've prayed for others who are sick, as I've prayed for, for healing, as I've asked God, understand God does not always, it's not always God's will to heal. And it doesn't mean God is a bad God. It doesn't mean, well, I'm not, if God doesn't do this, if he doesn't love me. No, he still loves you. But it is not always God's will to heal. Healing is, I believe, the atonement covered that. Christ has the power to do so. No doubt about it. We see it through Scripture. But nowhere in Scripture is it taught that Christians are able to claim that we'll never be sick or never have struggles. Matter of fact, Jesus told the disciples, Hey, fellas, 
It's going to be rough. Jesus wasn't a health and wealth preacher. He wasn't a hell evangel- I mean, a televangelist. Uh, he said, hey, you're going to have some struggles here. The world's going to hate you. They're going to kill you. Hey, but Jesus, couldn't, couldn't you keep us from getting killed? It's not his will. He has the ability to do so. But outside his will. Christian, don't forget it's not always God's will to heal. We see some things in Scripture. Uh, some people in Scripture who God, it wasn't his will to heal. Uh, we see in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14, we read about Elisha. Uh, the Bible says, Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died. How many of you know if you died from your sickness, you weren't healed? You figured that out? Now, we were healed in heaven. Exactly. Amen. i be praying for the McCoy family today and Brother Elwell. Many of you know already, but this week, uh, Lori McCoy, Brother Elwell's daughter, we prayed for now for about 10 years. She had uh, her first stroke about 10 years ago. She's had kidney failure. She's had uh, pancreas. You name it, she's had it. Her dear husband's cared for her like no one I've ever seen before caring for a spouse. And she was not healed physically in this world. But she went to heaven this week. Today will be the viewing, tomorrow the funeral. And we use the phrase, well, she's healed now, and she is, but she's healed there, not down here. Now, Elisha is in heaven. By the way, just so you know, Elisha's not sick anymore up there. But he wasn't healed down here. It wasn't the will of God to heal Elisha. Elisha got sick, and Elisha died in 2 Kings 13, verse 14. Now, when that happened, Elisha hadn't said, God, I hate you. I don't want to serve you anymore. I'm not going to be your prophet. That's not what happened. You know, we think, well, man, if he died, man, God, he must have been angry. God must have been angry with him. No, it just it wasn't God's will that Elisha be healed. Elisha died. He was, had an intimate fellowship with God. On his, on his deathbed, he, he made remarkable prophecies, and God used him. Even while he was sick of the sickness whereof he died. Not only was Elisha not healed, but in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20, in the New Testament, let her be there. It says, Trophimus, have I left at Miletum sick? Now, we don't know anything else about Trophimus. Trophimus, uh, I don't know about him. Do you? But we know that Paul left him and he was sick. Hold on. Wasn't Paul a great apostle? Wasn't he a great preacher? Didn't he have a relationship with God? Why didn't he say, hey, be healed? And God healed him. It wasn't God's will. Why did Paul leave him there? Because Paul understood it's not always God's will to heal. We see that picture in Scripture. In letter C in Philippians chapter 2, verse 27, we read about a man named Epaphroditus. It says about Epaphroditus, he was sick, nigh unto death. In other words, he's about to die. And in verse 30 in the same chapter, 
It tells us because of his earnest love for Christ and his devotion, his work, he came nigh unto death. He, he literally, I believe the Bible teaches, he wore himself out for the Lord. He spent everything, every part of himself to the point where there was nothing left physically. Epaphroditus simply yielded every aspect of his life and was used up for Jesus Christ. What a life. What a life he lived, giving everything he had for Christ. Letter D, besides the ones above, there's a classic example of Paul, the apostle, who had a thorn in the flesh. And after he prayed and he sought the Lord, it still wasn't removed. What did Paul say? Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. He still had them. God didn't heal them that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul saw that sickness sometimes was better than health. Sometimes it was better than health. God's not always willing to heal. Christian, when we pray, you have a loved one that's sick or dying. I've got a, I got a lady who used to, I used to minister with in Chicago years ago. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell her what I, I'll tell you what I called her. Don't, don't think ill of me. Uh, we called her Crazy Mary. Uh, she was uh, just, she was just intense. And she'd show up on our in the bus ministry and she'd come and ride our bus and she had these little kids and man, they were crazy. And I mean, she was something else. A few years later, after I got married, uh, this lady Mary was working for a bus company and she drove a bus for me and just sweet lady right now she's sitting in a recliner beside of a father who is maybe even already this morning but if not this morning probably later today will breathe his last breath on this earth her father is getting ready to go to heaven maybe already passed while I've been speaking this morning. Why? Because it's not always God's will to heal. We, we need to understand when we come to Him, the Bible is true when it says all things work together for good to them love God. All things include sickness. They're included. All things work together for good. We could look and see that over the years, from Christ going to the cross <clears throat> until today, how much blessedness has come through the suffering of others. The Bible you hold in your hands this morning, if you had any idea how much blood was shed by the martyrs, that you could have a copy of the Word of God you would understand that God allowed for our good that we could have scripture. We read the story of David Brainerd. David Brainerd, a man of prayer. He was earnest in his prayer life. He was strong in his faith. How marvelous the answers God gave him in his prayers. A man who knew how to pray. A Christian, anyone would, that knows anything about David Brainerd would agree with that. 
Explain to me how then he could die of tuberculosis before he was 30. Was God not able to heal? He was able. But it's not always God's will to heal. We need to make peace with the fact that God is God. You're not God. I'm not God. And it's not always God's will. I don't command God's will. Every person who teaches that it's God's will that every Christian be healed, can I tell you, they have to twist scriptures pretty hard to do that. They have to call God a liar. They have to, they have to deny truth. Hebrews 9 says, It is appointed unto men once to die. You have an appointment. I don't know when it is. For the car take, I don't know when your appointment is. Uh, one day, though, your wife's going to come in with a big skillet, and your appointment's coming. I don't know when it's coming. My appointment will probably be some glorious accident. You know, I'll jump a bus over top the, the uh, some big building in Edmonton. I don't know. I'm not sure how it's going to happen yet. But we all have an appointment one day, and we're going to keep it. You're not going to be late. You're going to be right on time. Right on time. Because it's not always God's will to heal. Christ himself took our infirmities, bare our sickness, as we see in Matthew 8. And though Christ's death on the cross did surely guarantee, praise God, heaven for those who believe, our body, our body waits for the adoption, the redemption of our body in Romans 8. Number, number 6, and I've got to hurry this morning. <laughs> And I, I really believe this to be true. It is usually God's will to heal and answer to prayer. And I say usually because in Scripture, we see more times God healed than God chose not to heal. One who comes to pray for healing, either for himself or for another, must come and say, Nevertheless, not as I wilt, but as thou wilt. Because it's not my choice. It's not my job. It's God's job. The Bible says, He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The Bible says, Is any afflicted? Let him pray. Why does God want him to pray? Because he wants to answer. Amen. He wants to answer. It, it, it's so simple. Hey, uh, talk to me. Why? I want to answer. Ask me why. God wants to answer. The Bible says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. Not every sinner we pray for is saved. Not every sick person we pray for is healed. But I believe God wants to answer prayer. God wants to answer our prayer as we ask Him. Uh, sometimes... God wants us to be hungry for, as we pray to him and ask him and ask him as we're asking to see what God can do. But Christian, it's not always God's will to answer, answer prayer in the matter of healing. But I believe many times it is. One of the biggest problems, though, is that we don't pray. We don't pray. We don't ask. We don't expect God can. Number seven, some practical thoughts here. Should Christians... Use doctors and medicine. So, Pastor, that's a silly question. Uh, 
If you, if you even understood how many folks were so off base on both sides of that, you'd understand why I'm spending some time on it this morning. Uh, there are many who say, oh, no, you should never go to the doctor. There are many today, oh, no, that's, that's a lack of faith. Well, you don't love God if you go to the doctor. Don't love God if you take drugs and you're, you don't have any faith. There's only one problem with that. <laughs> it doesn't line up with Scripture. Now, it lines up with your idea of what faith is, but it doesn't line up with what God says faith is. And it doesn't matter what you think faith is. You're wrong and God is right. By the way, you're, what you were taught was wrong and God is right. What you feel is wrong and God is right. The Bible says in Isaiah, in those days was Hezekiah sick and to death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus saith, uh, set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. By the way, when you're dead, you're not living. Then Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall and prayed. And said, Remember now, O I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Then came the word uh, of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, and I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thee, uh, unto thy days, fifteen years. What an excellent case. Hezekiah prayed, and God answered. Now, did Hezekiah instantly get out of bed? You know the story. Did he just get up? No, that's not what happened. What happened? The same passage. It says, For Isaiah had said, Let him take a lump of figs and lay it for a plaster upon the boil, and he shall recover. Isaiah said, Hey, let the doctor come in. But the medication, plaster of figs, that, that was a medication of the day. And let the doctors work on him, and he's going to rise up. Now, did God need to use the plaster of figs? But he did. He did. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, the Holy Spirit gave to Paul to pen to Timothy, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake, and thine often infirmities. He said, hey, if you have some stomach problems, here, let me, let me help you. Let me tell you some, some things you can take that will help you. Hold on, that sounds a lot like medicine, doesn't it? Sure does. Understand it's not sinful or wrong for us to use doctors and medicine or syrup of figs. Dr. Frost of the China Inland Mission in his book, A Miraculous, calls attention to the foolish inconsistency of those who would eat figs and thank God for their natural healthful laxative effect who, uh, if the juice were pressed out and put in a bottle and called medicine, they would feel it a sin to take it. Understand, God allows us and gives us things to use. God uses uh, medicine. Jesus uh, put spittle with clay and placed it on a blind man. I don't know why, except I believe to show he could use anything to do, to do his will. Ten lepers showed themselves to the priest. In the act of going, they were healed. God did many things. By the way, in Colossians, we read in Colossians 4.14 about a man named Luke. Maybe you've heard of him. What's he called? The beloved physician. Now, if doctors were evil, if it was a lack of faith to go to a doctor, why then would the Holy Spirit give to Paul uh, to pen to Colossians 
a phrase about Luke and call him the bluff physician. Why not call him that dirty, filthy witch doctor that hates God? Now, we're laughing this morning, but you're laughing because you see the inconsistency. We need to understand that it's not sinful to go to the doctor. It's not sinful to use medicine. Uh, I believe our first, our first call ought to be on our knees to the Lord, but I believe that God gives us wisdom to use what God has. It's not a lack of faith. Uh, it's not a lack of that. We need to trust the Lord, but realize God gives us the answer. God gives us the answer. God gives us those things to help, and it's not sinful to use those. Don't get out of balance, Christian. Don't get out of balance. Don't say, well, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just, if you don't trust God, that's fine, but I'm going to trust God. I'm not going to trust any of that medicine. Who gave us the medicine? It was the Lord. And we see it used in Scripture. We don't have time to go there. I got, we're going to have to stop here. I'm going to have to finish up. I've got a couple things I want to give you yet. Uh, we'll have to finish up in a, next week. But realize, is it okay? Absolutely. We see it throughout Scripture. We look at other aspects of it. Let's pray together. Lord, help us as we think about this matter of prayer for healing. Lord, I pray that we would fully understand the fact that it's not always your will to heal. Lord, just this week, I went to my knees and I cried out to you, begging you to heal a dear friend of mine who was not doing well. Lord, it wasn't your will. Lord, your will was to take her to heaven. Lord, help us to understand that. Help us to make peace with the fact that you're God and we're not. But God, help us to realize that you do want to answer prayer. Lord, just because you don't answer every prayer the way we want you to answer, it doesn't mean you're not God and you're not good. Lord, help us to pray. Help us to bring our needs and infirmities to you. Lord, I pray you bless us now. Lord, be with us as we continue our services this morning. Uh, Lord, thank you for your will and your purpose for our life. In your precious name we pray. Amen.